Welcome to the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast, a ministry of Locust Hill Baptist Church in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. My name is Michael Hodge, Senior Pastor at Locust Hill. At Locust Hill, we celebrate the change that God alone could bring in our lives, and we also recognize the calling to share that good news with others. Lives changed by Christ, changing lives by Christ. We welcome you to this podcast where we want to equip you to live in the reality of a life changed by Christ. Disciple making is at the core of a church's calling, and we want to take advantage of every resource we can to encourage you today. We invite you to join us for a service Sundays at 10.15 a.m., Wednesdays 6.30 p.m. Our church is located at 5534 Locust Hill Road in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. Our website is locusthillchurch.org. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know how we can encourage you. I am so very proud of our staff for taking on this brand new challenge, the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast. We've been working for over a month to bring these episodes to you. At this point, we have about five episodes already recorded, ready to release each Monday. And what you'll hear today was our very first attempt at introducing a microphone into our weekly staff meetings, allowing you to hear how God uses our gatherings to encourage one another and to equip us to serve well in all of our various ministries. We want to help our church family and friends who join us listening to this podcast take their next step of growing in their faith. This is just one way for us to expand the reach of our ministries and to help you get to know all of our staff. So enjoy this first learning curve episode, and I hope you'll look forward to these weekly sessions with our staff. Here's the very first episode. We are kicking off the podcast with our staff gathered around the table. Some of us are thrilled that there is a mic in the center of our table. Others would probably rather schedule a root canal than accept the challenge of speaking on a podcast. So, but I'm looking forward to this podcast, looking forward to the chance to allow all of you that are listening to hear from our staff. At one point or another, I have no doubt that we're gonna have fun on every episode and we're just inviting folks into the conversation with our staff here at Locust Hill. We're recording this about a month before the release and so this is going to release on september 11th and so that means you're listening on a day that is really forever etched in our minds and we were talking about this in our life group on this past sunday morning how if you were alive at that point and can remember the day you remember everything that you were doing saying where you were it's just etched in our minds so certainly want to start out by saying we remember those that were impacted it is really just a, a dark day in the history of our nation, and we look back to that. So this is our first episode together as a staff, and you're going to hear different voices all around the table. You can't see all of them, but I want to make sure you know they're here. My name's Michael Hodge, and assisting me with all of our dialogue is going to be Jason Farr all the way at the other end of the table. And you're going to hear from our student pastor, Will Beecham, Ray and Katina Riley, lead our senior adult ministry. You're going to hear from them. Andy Ray was not able to be with us today, but he's going to be with us when he can, as his North Greenville schedule allows. Amanda Shear and her husband Ralph lead our children's ministry, so Amanda is going to join us on Tuesday mornings. And then we have our office staff, Tracy and Sandra, participating in the discussion. So, all right, everybody. Hello, good morning, however you want to greet everybody. Go for it. Good morning, everybody. All right. So, I want to start out with a quick 
quote that comes from another resource I've been reading, and I used this on this past Sunday, from Eugene Peterson's book with an interesting title, Eat This Book, The Art of Spiritual Reading. This is what he said. He says, reading is an immense gift, but only if the words are assimilated, taken, taken into the soul, eaten, chewed, gnawed, received in unhurried delight. Words of men and women long dead or separated by miles and or years come off the page and enter our lives freshly and precisely, conveying truth and beauty and goodness. Words that God's Spirit has used and uses to breathe life into our souls. So really, I love that idea that these words that come off of a book enter our lives freshly and precisely. So that's the motivation for what we're doing. We're going to be walking through a resource called Gentle and Lowly. I'll talk about that more in just a moment. But we're going to discuss this resource together. So our staff is reading through the book. And we're going to just share our insights. We do this often. We walk through other books. And so the idea came up, let's just share this together. So let me share the title of the book again. The book is by Dane Ortland. The title is Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers, published by Crossway in 2020. So Jason, wait on on the other end. Why don't you get us started? Let's get the conversation going just reflecting on the introduction and chapter one of Gentle and Lowly. Take a, take off, Jason. One of the interesting things that, um, that we've discussed, even in getting this reading process, is how challenging the introduction has been. Right. And in looking at the introduction, it starts out, who is he? Who is he really talking about Jesus? Right. And in the introduction, uh, Ortland says, it is one thing to know the doctrines of the incarnation and the atonement and a hundred other vital doctrines. It is another more searching matter to know his heart for you. So, Will, just kind of kick it over to you. If you tried to introduce Jesus to someone who doesn't know him, how would you describe him? Well, <clears throat> I think the immediate answer because of the title of the book would be gentle that's, and lowly. That's like, a that's, good answer. Yeah, you would answer. <laughs> so when I first got this question, I, I was immediately like gentle and lowly. I ran with that. Um, but honestly, after interacting with the text introduction and the first chapter, I began to think to myself, is this it? I mean, even in you know the first chapter on page 21, Dan Ortland says, you know, if Jesus had a drop down box on the internet, it would read gentle and lowly. Right. And so that made me think that's how Jesus describes himself. However, when it comes to how I would describe Jesus, I think it all has to do with your heart. And I think that little subtitle he has down there, I think that has a lot to do with it because the book explores Jesus's heart. But I got to ask the question, what of my heart? And I know that might be a weird way, you know, kind of to answer the question. How would you describe Jesus? I think it has to do with your heart. You know, I think that's kind of weird to answer that way. But there are a few factors um, we must consider before defining, you know, how we would actually describe him. Um, and the first is there has been a trend in the lost and the church life. Um, the The trend is called apatheism. And that is I generally do not hear. I know. Apatheism. I'm telling you, dude. It is. I will not spell that. But um, apathyism is just genuinely not caring about God or Jesus. Um, 
And then in the loss, this is this is what they believe these days. And I and I've encountered it a lot, you know, working um, in different various places, talking with different various people. They just genuinely don't care about Jesus and God. Um, they just look at him as somebody else. Um, they look at him as just another uh, form of religion. They just right. they really don't care. Um, but the church has a form of this apathyism too, and this and the church is not caring about the work of God. And I think that that's that's drastic because the thing about it is when we see somebody um, who's in the church who does not care about the work of God, it almost sends a mixed message about who Jesus is. Um, it almost takes the power away from Jesus and the work that he's done in our life, um, which gets me to the second factor, um, which is a movement in the church that says, who is Jesus to me? And I don't think that answers the question, who is Jesus? But I also don't think they're like opposed to each other. See, asking the question, who is Jesus to me, spurs on the thought of how Christ has helped us personally. So someone, you know, who's been healed might describe Jesus as a healer. Um, but what about the person who doesn't need healing? And what about the person who might not understand what the Bible talks about, about healing? Someone, you know, who uh, might not have had a father figure growing up or have lost their father might say, you know, Jesus, God is a loving father. But what happens when you encounter somebody who's, you know, got a pretty cool dad? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't begin to line up and it almost like hog ties our um, evangelism. But answering the question, who is Jesus to me, describes the work of Jesus in our lives, but it does not answer who is Jesus. And I believe the answer to that question has eternal significance. I really do. Um, And that's for the non-believer and the believer, which leads to the third factor. What is at your heart? And I think this is how we describe Jesus. I mean, like, what drives you to live the way that you do to sacrifice and to strive for tomorrow? Like, what is at your core? See, if you merely tell someone who doesn't know about the person or work of Jesus, who he is most of the time, they honestly will not care. However, there is one description of Jesus that changes everything. And it's at the heart of every genuine Christian, and that is the description Jesus is And I really think that someone who does not care about the the person and work of Jesus Christ, if we describe them as Jesus as Lord, and it drives who we are, it gives them the idea of work and hearing at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's one of those Bible study questions you were talking about, who is Jesus to me? What does this verse mean to you? You know, those kind of questions that we've asked in Bible study. It's like, no, 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 back up from that. What does this verse mean? Not you know, that personal interpretation. Well, and well, you bring up a good point talking about Jesus having the drop down box about me. I'm gentle and lowly. Right after that, um, Dane Orland says, this is not who he is to everyone. Mm-hmm. This is who he is for those who come to him, mm-hmm. who take his yoke upon them. And Michael, I'll just kick this to you. When you talk about what Christ has done versus who he is, Two things that are really dependent on one another, but yet they're distinctly different. How would you describe or define the difference in what Christ has done and who he is? And I'll go ahead and give you the follow-up question. Who benefits from that deeper understanding of Jesus Christ that Will was talking about? Yeah, I love this. 
quote here on page 15 when Dane Ortland was talking about that. We are not focusing centrally on what Christ has done. We are considering who he is. So there's that disconnect of what Christ has done, who he is, um, because you know, if I can separate those two, then I'm just studying a lot of facts. Mm-hmm. I'm learning right. things about who Jesus is, but it doesn't necessarily have implications for my life. But if I understand who he is, gentle and lowly, and all the things that we're going to look at as we go through, then it's moving me into a relational uh, response. So I'm abiding in him. I know who he is. And so I think we got to have that balance. we got to know Christ uh, relationally. Where do we do that? Where we go to his word. But as we go to his word, then those that are just interested in studying theology then we also see the other side, you got to just abide in him. So I love the balance here that Dane Ortland. don't just look at what he's done, kind of mm-hmm. historical look, but considering who he is, that has implications for my life today. So I think it's a, a good balance here. And, you know, the key verse that he pulls in that really he bases all of it on, Sandra, I'm going to pull you in here, Matthew 11. If you don't mind, could you read Matthew 11, 28 to 30? This is the anchor verse for the book. Oh, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, the verse is, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And in those four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we learn a lot about Christ. He tells us about his birth, his ministry, his disciples, his travels, and a lot about his prayer habits. So, I mean, we see just in those very short words there, very uh, memorable verse, gentle and lowly in heart, you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Uh, And so he talks about just that, um, that nature of who he is. And that's really what we begin walking through the heart of Jesus at the center of it all. So, um, well, Michael, if I could just add into that, you know, Sandra read verse 29, but the verses that, you know, are attached to that are very important here for our discussion because Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I mean, that's a very important passage there to consider as to the character of Jesus and what he's calling us to do in response to who he is. And that's really what motivated us to sit around the table and share this because we want to reflect as a staff and we want to invite others to experience exactly what we just read there in Matthew 11. And so this is an extension for our staff to disciple our church family and beyond. So that's our prayer. Um, I'm going to pull Amanda in. Ralph spoke to our men's ministry for our last breakfast. He spoke for 15 minutes. <laughs> Not really. It was 27. It was awesome, but it was hilarious that he thought he was going to be able to do it for 15 minutes. Amanda, we only have a short amount of time. I know you're excited about this opportunity. But let me pull in a quote from page 19 of the book. It says, meek, humble, gentle. Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. 
So how is that encouraging? You think of that description of Jesus, especially to a believer walking through suffering, but also how does that apply to an unbeliever? How is that encouraging to the sinner who's lost? So what would you say as you think about that quote? So the first thing that came to my mind with that quote is the suffering and the sinner that is lost is why God sent his son Jesus. And as believers, we know he is the answer for both our suffering and for the sinner that is lost. Um, So these characteristics of Jesus encourage the believer and the sinner that is lost by revealing the depths of his unfailing love. For the believer, Jesus does not leave them alone in their suffering, and for the lost, Jesus meets them right where they are. So Jason, I would say, let's think off of that then from one of the verses that he uses, Proverbs, he quotes, um, I'll pull you in for that. So you take mm-hmm. off of that question. So that Proverbs, uh, Proverbs scripture that is referenced there, Solomon tells us to keep the heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. And when you talk about life, you know, who could, the, the question that Dane Orland asks there in, the, in chapter one on page 19 is, who could ever have thought up such a savior? And when you think about Jesus as our savior, I mean, think about his, his entry into the world. When he was born, there, there wasn't this huge, Celebration. He was born in a stable in Bethlehem. The Savior of the world came, entered into the world very, very gentle, very low. You know, Matthew 21, the Savior of the world, on his entry into Jerusalem to be crucified, he rode in on a donkey. No stallion, no chariot. He was simply fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah 9. The Savior of the world conquered death and the grave in his resurrection, yet There was no fanfare, no big event when he came out of that tomb. He did it on his own time, in his own timing. And so one of the things that Orland points out is when the Bible speaks of the heart, whether Old Testament or New Testament, it is not speaking of our emotional life only, but of the central animating center of all we do. Our heart is what defines and directs us. And in thinking of Jesus' birth story, how, how that would cast light on who he is and who he would pursue, He made himself available to everyone. He came down off of a throne, off of being high and lifted up to enter into the world so that he's accessible to every person, no prerequisite required. And so because of that, we don't have to unburden or collect ourselves to come to Jesus. In fact, that's what he says, Tracy, on on page 20 and 21. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. No payment is required. So as you think about Tracy, how does Jesus' description of himself bring comfort and how does it challenge your own perception of him? Um, This was actually probably one of my favorite parts of that whole chapter. Um, Just recognizing that Jesus wants peace for us. He wants rest. Um, I think we tend to look at him and I know I do at times of he just sits there with these high expectations that we're striving to meet, mm-hmm. and it's a constant um, work for us to try to to meet those goals. And then reading his words, saying he's there, just gentle and lowly, right. and wants our peace. Um, I think that's just reassuring for anybody who's whether a believer or not. I think it's a challenge um, 
in churches because I think that's a lot of the reason why we have a hard time getting some people comfortable to come into church to find that peace is because they feel like they need to already be at a certain point, at a mm-hmm. certain level, checking all the boxes before um, they have the opportunity to come to him. Mm-hmm. That, so I want to come off of that then and let Ray and Katina bring us home here, closely connected with what Tracy was just sharing, in what ways does gentleness and lowliness, how does, how does that characteristic of Jesus invite us to know him more? So what are some things that you would share? Knowing that Jesus loves me right where I am, that I don't have to do any kind of steps. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have any kind of, you know, things that I need to do to earn his love, that he loves me just like I am, whether I understand it all, whether I have the knowledge and know all, you know, everything, that he loves me right there and that I can pour myself to him and he's not going to look down on me. He's not going to say, you you don't have enough of this or you're not rich enough or you're not poor enough or you're not, you know, you don't have, he loves me right where I am. And that just makes me want to just love him more and more and more and find out more and more and more about him because he accepts me for who I am. And not always in my life has that happened. I've had a lot of people look down on me before because maybe I wasn't in the smartest group or maybe, you know, I didn't have what they had, or I just didn't have the confidence that other people do. But he loves me and takes me and picks me up and carries me right from where I am. That's awesome. I think that's a great word to Mm -hmm. wrap up. There is so much more that we could share. We've just walked through reflections on the introduction in chapter one. So looking ahead to our next time, We're going to be walking through chapters two and three. So if our listeners are wanting to follow along, you can get the book and read it yourself. We'll share a few insights. What you're going to realize very quickly is we could fill up a whole lot more time and share a whole lot more. So we tried to limit it just to a few things that stood out. But I hope folks will benefit from understanding who is our Savior. Who is this dude that's gentle and lowly? So we're going to look at next time the heart of Christ, biblical statements that might be opposed to that, and then we're going to look at the happiness of Christ, how Jesus is comforted when you draw from the riches of his atoning word. So let me say to everyone, thank you for joining us. We invite you to join us for a service in person or online Sundays at 10, 15 a.m. I hope you'll join us next time as we continue walking through Gentle and Lowly by Dane Portland.